I'm Dan Gregson. And I'm Mike Gregson. Welcome to Come Towards the Light, the podcast. Our goal is to find everyday people who are delightful. These people have attractive energy and a positive outlook on life. We want to know their stories and what makes them delightful. We will uncover the life experiences our guests have been through, which have enabled them to look at life in such an inspiring and delightful way. With the belief that to understand delight, one has to be acquainted with the dark. Is it possible that in our darkest hours, we are given a gift to find light, which leads to our greatest delights? Hey, Come Towards Delight listeners. Thanks so much for tuning in today with us. Really excited about the next episode with Joseph Sorensen. Talk about a guy who has really put himself in places where he can learn grow and discover and just connect with human human beings that come from all walks of life. Uh, Joseph grew up in Utah. Um, he has five adopted siblings who are black and he just has a love for them that is very deep. He cares, he's concerned, he wants to understand them, the life that they came from um, and really, really help to bridge the gap to provide understanding for some of us that don't really come from backgrounds that are very diverse. Love his conversation. He talks a lot about the Black Lives Matters movement. He talks a lot about growing up with his black siblings. Um, He talks a lot about his mom and his dad who are just very amazing people um, who really took on a lot in their lives to provide a great living for their kids. Uh, I served a mission with Joe in Indiana, Indianapolis mission for two years. Uh, we served together as companions in um, South Bend, Indiana, which is the home of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish and very diverse culture there as well. But I, tune in. I think you'll really learn a lot from his perspective. Uh, he's a great man studying at Harvard, and he just has some really good things to talk about that have really opened my eyes, and I hope they can do the same for you. Welcome, everybody, to today's podcast episode. We have the pleasure of having Joseph Sorensen with us today. Um, Joe and I have a long, a long history together, a long relationship together. Joe and I served in a, a mission, an LDS mission, mission together from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints um, in Indiana. And we met when, when a, a member of our faith goes on a mission, you go to what's called the Missionary Training Center uh, in Provo, Utah. At least this was a thing back in the past, and it still happens in Provo. But um, you go there for about, what was it, Joe? About three, four weeks yep. for us. Yep. And uh, since we didn't have to learn a language other than the Hoosier language of Indiana. And we, Is that uh, where you talk about religion in basketball terms? Uh, that's or? where we... That's, uh, yes, that's exactly... <laughs> Bobby Knight, yes. Oh, okay. okay Isaiah sorry. Thomas, Bobby Knight. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but we, we spent some time together there in what's called a district and, and uh, just became good, good friends. Hit it off really well. We were both excited to be on missions. And um, as we went into Indiana, uh, we obviously served for two years together and, and we crossed paths all the time where we were serving. And then we had the opportunity and the privilege to serve together up in South Bend, Indiana, which is home of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish and and so we were able to serve together in really Catholic territory and have some pretty awesome experiences there, making some lifelong friends and, and making some lifelong memories together. And uh, so Joe is Joe is a very dear friend of mine, and, and I'm really excited to have you here, Joe. I, I think, you know, now you're going to school at Harvard, right? You're studying, and, and we'll get into that a little bit. But 
um, just knowing about you, the way you view life. I, I feel like whenever I talk to you um, and we discuss certain subjects, I can always tell that your your mind is working so hard, not with ease, I should say. Like, I didn't mean to make it sound like, yeah, you think so hard for what to say because you don't know what to say. That's not it. No, but you, you're very you're wise. You have a lot of wisdom about you and you think things through. And I've always appreciated that about you. Whereas me, I'm kind of a gunslinger and I'll pull things from my hip a lot of times and say a lot of stuff without thinking it through. And and I've always respected and appreciated you because of that. And as I've gotten to know you over the years, I, I have really had glimpses into understanding why you are that way. Um, now today's current, um, society that we live in in the United States of America, obviously COVID-19. Uh, we've got um, a lot of political unrest, just craziness there. And obviously, uh, the you know, some of the things that happened with George Floyd and the Black Lives uh, Matter movement. And also, you know, uh, the other side of that is saying, well, hey, all lives matter and this, that and the other. Um, we've been able to have some conversations around that because you grew up in a family where, you know, you have five black siblings, uh, through adoption. And I know your love, uh, for your siblings. I remember when we were on our mission, the way that you used to talk about them and, and I know how much you care about them and they're your brothers, they're your sisters. And there's no doubt about that to me. And so I think, I think there's some fun conversation, um, some very in-depth uh, conversations that we can have around that and and what that's caused, how that's caused you to look at your life and their life. And um, anyway, let, why don't yeah. we, why don't we kind of start there? Why, w- would you mind just w- right now, just kind of start off by saying, you know, like where you're born and raised and, and tell us about your studies at Harvard just a little bit before we really start talking about that. Okay. Um, so born here and raised in Utah. Um, the oldest of nine kids will come back to that. But yeah, born and raised in Utah, spent most of my life here, really love it here. Um, and I'm currently uh, studying theology. I'm working on a Master's of Divinity at Harvard Divinity School. Um, because of COVID, I'm back here in Utah, which is has been kind of nice. Um, <laughs> but uh, I've just, I've spent a lot of time in school, uh, and this is over in my life. And this is kind of the culmination. I did a year there a few years ago, left to work for the church, uh, the LDS church, LDS public affairs, did that for two years, just went back, uh, out to Boston this last fall. And now I've got one year left of school and, um, yeah, I'm studying theology there and, um, I'll, we can get more into that because it becomes part of the story. Part, sure. of, part of the thing that I went to study came from, I think, my, my background and the family I grew up in and just wanting to be in a better position to uh, be a peaceful presence in this world, <laughs> uh, understand what's going on. So and I think another huh. <clears throat> important thing to add to that um, and to ask you about is, can you tell us what your favorite cold cereal is? <laughs> um, oh yeah, totally. Um, uh, chocolate marshmallow maybe. Hey, okay. Now, now we can start. That was beautiful. Okay, yeah, um, that's easy. No, that's awesome. So, so yeah, let's. Let, why don't we just take it back and kind of dive right into it, right? So, um, to put a little background to this whole thing, you grew up in the state of Utah. Mm-hmm. 
where the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is about 50% of the population, and that's of active members of the church. And and then you've got another uh, group of people that's inactive, and, th- and that would be another big percentage of the state, right? Mm. So most people belong to this church. Um, and and honestly, let, let's be real here. Let's put this on the table. We're not necessarily known in the state of Utah to have much diversity, yeah. except for the fact that we've had missionaries go all over the world that kind of bring some of that culture home. But when you look around in Salt Lake City and you get out to Utah County and other areas, um, there's not too much diversity as far as different races and different religions and, mm-hmm. and things of that nature. Um, tell me what it was like, you know, with five black siblings growing up in Utah and, and how was it for them? How was it for you? Just, just share some of what that was like growing up. Yeah. Um, so it was from, from my perspective, um, it was, it was, I, I didn't notice a lot of, I wasn't aware of racism. Um, I remember, uh, in the neighborhood that we lived in, there was, we, we were, we understood that at the end of one street, there were some people there who shaved their heads and, uh, thought that they were skinheads. And so we were, we would kind of be careful when we would go by there, but never actually had any, any difficulties. I think, um, yeah, it, it wasn't, uh, it, it wasn't, we, we were pretty colorblind growing up and I've, sure. I've learned more recently, uh, how that cuts both ways, yeah. uh, how, how there, there that are can be a things that are missed, mindset. uh, if, mm-hmm. if we are blind to things like that, but uh, yeah, we're kind of this, the epitome of a colorblind family, you know? And I mean, one of the ways I think, think that that can cut the other way is, um, just thinking why, why why would we even suggest to these members of our family uh, that they might have a different experience in this world? Yeah. Uh, because that right away is is pointing out like we, we don't even want to suggest that their that their experience might be different, um, and and you miss an opportunity to to help prepare somebody for for something that might an experience they might have that might be might be difficult. But I don't know. It was just I I, I think it was a pretty good. A pretty pretty peaceful life as far as that's concerned that mm-hmm. didn't seem to be a problem we were our, my family was pretty involved with uh genesis the genesis oh, group yeah. which mm-hmm. is uh a group that was started back in the 1970s for uh, black latter-day saints is um, that something they they have like weekly meetings did you they meet on uh fast sunday every month mm-hmm. that's in the what evening. it is yeah. yep yep mm-hmm. uh, and so we we went to that growing up and that was the whole family did yeah Yeah, was that helpful to everybody what what was your experience like there uh it was it was great just yeah the i think the uh and my my whole life i think has been uh kind of immersed in the fact that everybody has different stories and so that was just a part of it i mean really like i i got really really first-hand experience, uh, kind of second-hand experience with my siblings and knowing where they came from, but it, it involved us with people in the community who, uh, who just had different backgrounds from yeah. us. And so just kind of, it, it helped me to, 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 to experience some diversity growing up and sure. good people, you know, and, yeah. and see people struggling with questions that I didn't struggle with and mm-hmm. realize that mine aren't the only difficult questions in this world. And so, yeah, just kind of a That's interesting. Uh, good exposure to people with different experiences. Yeah. 
I, I don't know that I was super sensitive to it, you know, or you're just a kid growing yeah, up. That's yeah. an extra meaning you have to go to. Yeah. Sen- sensitive yeah. to what, man? When you're when you're like ten as a young uh-huh. man, you're like, let's see, there's GI Joe, there's he, there's He Man, there's Transformers, and there's basketball. Yeah. Yep, yep. And then when you hit about thirteen, you're like, well, there's girls too, and then that's about well, it. There's for always chocolate covered marshmallow. Maybe. Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah, that's no, exactly right. I didn't right. discover those until yeah. late twenties. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so okay, that's okay. So you kind of go through this early adolescent time frame, right? Yeah. You're not, you don't really see a whole lot there. Um, then you, you decide to serve a mission, right? I mean, is, is there anything that really happened before you went on the mission that really kind of helped you see this a little bit more clearly and, or, or is it, or is it, you kind of continue to grow and because of the culture of today's world, I mean, how to go? Yeah, no. And I think maybe before we go there, so it wasn't so much an awareness of like, it wasn't the, the situation in which we were, uh, it wasn't the situation that we were in that sure. was, that was stark and shocking to me. It was the situation that my siblings uh, had come from. Oh. Um, they were different ages. My mom had uh, three kids and then adopted one. I had a therapist about a year ago tell me I needed to stop saying we adopted five <laughs> kids. He's like, you didn't do that. Yeah. Your parents did. Because it, 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 yeah. it, was, it was tough and not just, yeah, just lots of things. So my mom had three kids and then my parents adopted uh, a little girl and then my mom later had one more and then they adopted I, uh, four more kids. I gotta say something on. though. Yeah. I, I I love your therapist. Your therapist is awesome. So trust your therapist over me. Okay. <laughs> but the fact that you say we, yeah, yeah, that to me means a lot yeah. because you like it's your family. It's right. It's your family unit, and I, yeah. I think that says a lot about you personally. So anyway, no, I've I've I have butted heads with my mom over the years um, when she has expressed feelings of having made choices that made my life harder sure. and I, I butted heads with her saying, yeah. um, I, I wanted this, this, yeah. uh, I am, I'm so much better of a person because of, um, having grown up in this family yeah. right? because of, because of what I've seen. Could you talk a little bit maybe about That's those cool. discussions you've had with your parents about what they kind of was going on in their mind as they were thinking about adoption? Yeah. Uh, so my, uh, my mom is just a crusader. My, yeah, my dad, it I, sounds like it. I mean, I, yeah. to have that many kids and then to also adopt that many more. I mean, that is, yeah, that's exceptional. Yeah. And it's, it's taking a lot on. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, amazing every, it feels like everything I've, I've said this already in relation to other things, but cuts mm-hmm. both ways, like yeah. Yeah. cuts both, both ways for being a crusader. My dad, I've in recent years started describing him as a rock yeah. in the best and the worst sense. Like, <laughs> sure, sure. I understand like, that. He's, he's unmovable, like yeah. just content, patient, uh-huh. not going anywhere. At the same time, he doesn't really get excited about sure. things. I, I, I doesn't never do felt. a whole lot of new things. Yeah. yeah. He, yep. And it's awesome. Like super content, doesn't yeah. need a lot, but yep. then it, it's, uh, it's hard to feel like, is he excited about what yeah. I'm excited about yeah. and what well, I'm sure. doing, you know? And Very so, sturdy. Yeah. But, but so he's a support, but yeah. it's kind of my, my mom, hmm. uh, who was crusading, you know, yeah. and, and <laughs> so like it's, it. it's fun. There are fun stories. I think, uh, this is a, this is a pretty classic one in my family, uh, <laughs> for, uh, no man, maybe 10 years ago now, she went to a, a court hearing for one of my siblings and, the judge uh, who was presiding said, uh, are you Kathleen Sorensen? Um, I probably shouldn't say her name. I tell stories about <laughs> That's okay. Her. No, no, no. Uh, 
uh, edit that out. Uh, no, uh, <laughs> and she said, yeah. And he's like, I remember you. And she, she said, we went to high school together. And uh, he said, you were the bra-burning communist. <laughs> and, and, Seriously? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's so awesome. my, mom, my mom kind of remembered that with pride. Yeah, yeah. That's she amazing. Was, yeah, she was, she was uh, bra-burning communist. Yeah. So just, just very... In, in can we just rights. can she be on her way and we'll just interview <laughs> yeah. her next yeah that's awesome uh, yeah yeah but so but so she just she grew up you know 60s 70s yeah. and just civil rights was a big deal for her oh, she yeah. felt she 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 was she wanted to do something to to help you know and again this cuts both ways you know yeah uh, jumping in biting off uh more than you know yeah um and uh getting in over your head and you know, learning to, to deal with that. She's had a lot of, felt a lot of, uh, uh, failure, you know, and, yeah. and I, I didn't do it. But anyway, so that, that's kind of where it yeah. came from. Uh, really it was, and she had, you know, felt like there were supposed to be more kids in our family mm-hmm. and had visions and different mm-hmm. things. And, yeah. uh, so, so she was the driver on that. My dad was really supportive That's awesome. of it all, but, but ended up with, uh, with nine, kids five adopted and yeah. four birth yeah so what a great team yeah that's fun you got some good parents man that's yeah. pretty exciting to hear yeah, that is cool. your mom was a bra burner huh yep yeah i love that that's <laughs> fantastic yeah. where's that label with pride i love good. it she i think should. that is awesome i mean when you're trying to when you're trying to make movements for people and yeah. you're you're trying to make sure all people in walks of life are supported yeah good for you yeah you know and and that's yeah. phenomenal it even though it cuts both ways, I, it's it's pretty special when you see somebody that just wants to try mm-hmm. and give, right, and, and and help in any way they can. So, so you you mentioned how much of a crusader she was, or I guess still is. Mm-hmm. Um, was that a part of your life growing up? Like, is did you look back and and like come to this realization eventually that she was a crusader and like that she'd always been this way, or was it just kind of in a couple things like? Talk about yeah. that a little bit. Maybe. No, and I appreciate that question. I think uh, I, I like to think that I uh, am, am melding together the best part of my mom and the best part of my That's dad. Right. That's and awesome. So yeah. I've got this 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 crusading side to me, this this achieving side, yeah. you know, but also this rock, yeah, this sturdy but rock. Also, but also, yeah, feel, feel pretty content <laughs> yeah. and and solid and, yeah. and and able to move forward. So I think. Um, yeah, it, it's, I mean, she's still, she's, she's, uh, <laughs> we're going to talk a lot about my, <laughs> my mom. I, I like it. I no, like but, it. But like she has, that it's a big part of my story. She, uh, she had a, she's got a master's degree in education and mm-hmm. so I'm the oldest child. So I spent, and th- no, this is actually a really, really pertinent part of the story. Part of, part of my realization growing up was that the first few years of my life were, extremely different than the first few years of my siblings life oh, sure. I was the oldest child of a special educator being told I was a genius mm-hmm. being treated like a genius you know like just really my introduction to this world was being completely loved and supported and feeling like you're and, this you're yeah. the best thing yeah yeah right? mate and so to this day like I I, I hear people talk about not feeling lovable. I just yeah. don't know what that feels like. I, yeah. I believe that. I just don't oh, know. I was just, I was just made to feel like really yeah. lovable. I know how loved I am. Yeah. So as I, as I get into my teenage years and start to understand that uh, one, the, the one, one of my brothers is kind of the, um, the, the, the epitome of it or the, the, 
the most striking story. He was with his birth ter- parents until he was five and was just abused really bad. And uh-huh. as I learned some of the stories that happened there, mm-hmm. just just realizing that the first five years of his life Compared was so exactly. different from the first five years of my life. Yeah. Yet we're in the same world and learning the same s- things. Suppose and the, ex- the same expectations are yeah. put on us. Yeah. Uh-huh. And um, and so I think just from a really young age, I was aware of aware of that and, and sensitive to the fact that I have no idea where people are coming from. And mm. so I think it made me something I'm, I'm really appreciative of from that whole experience is just really uh, non-judgmental, really open to yeah. people really mm-hmm. and really, uh, really, really, uh, I just really feel like anybody who is on this earth has shown so much courage just, just to stay here you yeah. know, totally. and to be here. And yeah. so it I, makes me look at people in a way that has been really helpful. You said something that <clears throat> I think is something that let, let's talk about that a little bit more as we go. Yeah. Um, but you said the same expectations were put on you guys, mm-hmm. right? Um, that's crazy, but yet it's real, mm-hmm. right? So, where are these expectations? Are they by society itself? Are they by your parents a little bit? Are they by mm, church. You eat church? Are they by you each other as siblings? Like, tell me where those expectations were coming from, and maybe how that caused different behaviors in you versus your siblings, and or just some of what whatever. Like, what did that do for you guys? Yeah. Um. I think when I said it, what I had in mind was, uh, theologically, you know, and this is where we eventually get to like, I'm spending my life trying to figure out these questions about what's going on. Sure. You know, uh, where did we come from? Why are we here? Where are we going? Really? uh, (laughs) Really? (laughs) What's really going on here? Um, so that's, I mean, yeah, that, that's what I had in mind when I said it, just the expectations, yeah. uh, that you go through this life, develop a relationship with God, live, a, live how God wants you to live. And happiness comes from that. No matter who you are, no matter where you're born, no matter what the circumstances are, yeah. that's just the story for everybody. Yep. Right. Totally. That's, yeah. that's a good way to put it. And, yeah. And, yeah. And that's the challenge. And that's where, yeah. It's uh, like reading, it's like reading, the Bible or whatever it is you're reading, some religion book from prophets or whatever, and you read the same chapter and we're all supposed to walk away from that thinking the exact same mm-hmm. thing, right? Yeah. It's not true. Yeah. It's, it's scary uh, to, to know that people are having such different experiences. And, and in the, you mentioned the, uh, the tough political environment. It's just scary to, to know that we're surrounded by people who, may see things way different totally. from us and when, but we're living in a society where we're all voting to decide how people live their lives you yeah know? And so there's just lots of uh there's there's just it's it's really antagonistic in a lot of ways and it's scary you know yeah it uh, is to be living in at a time when people see things so differently yeah yeah well, I appreciate your appreciate your wisdom just getting into scratching that. So this is what kind of caused you, not kind of, this is what caused you to really study theology, right? Yeah. Is it, Were you super interested in all these categories and topics before you actually decide to study theology? Or did you just, hey, that sounds like it's fun. Let's get into it and then just fell in love with it. What What is it? Yeah. No, I think I, so I started out uh, after our missions, I started out, studying uh political philosophy yeah. um so just 
So my, my mom uh, yeah. was a bra burning communist in the <laughs> in the 1970s, but she changed. Yeah, all it's the way possible. to the all the way to the other other end side of the of the spectrum. And so I grew up. Uh, my my family was pretty political growing sure. up, and so it was. It you was, guys were the kind that would sit around the dinner table and talk about it. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Is this is this your immediate family or extended family? Immediate. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, my my parents I think have different political views than their siblings. Sure. That was, that was an interesting thing to witness growing up. But by the time I uh, got to our missions, I was pretty turned off uh, by the whole thing. But after, after we got back, I ended up jumping into political philosophy and eventually economics. And Mm. so more trying to understand the interesting world, to put those on. two together yeah. right when you first start your studies that's yeah. a of ooh. why people come from different backgrounds why why our experiences are so different early on or something um or? that and just uh all of the all of the tension in society all okay. of the, the, the economic the, side of that is very interesting it is. topic yeah. to talk about but yeah, yeah. yeah. anyway well uh, we won't dive into know, that tonight. Know, <laughs> unless you have the solutions joe Oh, I do. But. <laughs> <laughs> More to come. Joe's book no, due no, in about no. five that's, years. That's an episode two. You got to come back for that. One. No, right. yeah, no. I think I got to the point where I felt like, man, all of these questions, uh, political and economic, all of these challenges we're facing, I, I kept finding myself tracing them back down to uh, different views people had on the universe. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. if there, if the universe is friendly and wants to take care of us then we respond to it way differently than if the if, if, the, if hates it's us. a dangerous place. If it's a dangerous yeah. place. Like if it's a dangerous and place. And a judgmental place yeah. that will destroy you if you're doing anything wrong, right? Well, and yep. one of the things that I've become very shocked at in, over the last couple of years is the number of people who are convinced that this is a dangerous place. But like without a lot of their own experiences uh, playing into Interesting. that. It's, it's being scared and having anxiety about things that haven't ever happened to you, yeah. but it's things that maybe could possibly happen or that happened to someone else. But maybe, don't... maybe something that happened to somewhere down the line in the family. And so that's kind of taught through the, the time, you know, as you pass on the generations, that's something that's passed along with it. Right. Well, yeah. And I've, I've been, I've been thinking a lot um, over the last couple of weeks of this idea that, um, I, I think it, it started coming from you initially, Mike, oh. where, where you had, <laughs> you, you told me that, um, or we were, we had this discussion and you kind of said something along the lines of, you know, you really do get out of life or the universe or whatever, what you put into it. And I, and I'd been thinking about the current climate and thinking how so much of us are now putting out there a lot of angst and fear Judgment. And anxiety and, and judgment for sure. Yep. And um, and this this idea that the world is a very unsafe place that, you know, a lot of this comes up in the discussions that happen around that happen around police right now and how, how we're policed as a people. Um, and in, in my mind, I look at it like if we have a military militarized police force, like what does that say about how we think about our own people? Um, and, and why are we so convinced that we live in a society where we need to be protected by a militaristic police force? And I think if, if we actually kind of sat down and thought through what that means, that it's not something that we would want to have, but we're so convinced that we need it. Yeah. And, and how do we get back to that point of seeing the good in people? And, and trusting the good in people instead of the exact opposite. Because I think that a lot of this, crea- it's its own 
perpetual problem that it creates when you see people as bad people or that there are groups of people who are going to do bad things you're going to set up society in a certain way whereas you know if you if you believe in the good of people and that if you trust people that they will generally live their lives There's freedom and be good lives like I, I think that's a powerful thing and how do we get to that that's Joe, very, how do we get to that? Joe, Joe, this, this question's for you, Joe. <laughs> Hopefully that's what you're learning in school so you can help us figure that out. Yeah. But like, I think about that all the time. Uh, I think that's a very good point. And I, I think one of the things I've learned as a parent is the more I, I try and either whether I use fear or I teach fear, when I use mm -hmm. that as a doctrine to teach my kids, they butt heads with it. They it's, run from it. It's and not they, a good they way go to, against yeah. it, right? Mm -hmm. But if I encourage them, if I enable in them and, and I take a step back and I'm willing to let them make their own choice and fall, even if it's a bad choice, they learn, they grow and yeah. they're more willing to come back to me and have the conversation with me to try again or to try differently or dad, what do you think? You know, and, and that's, that's a very good point to bring up. So back to Joe. Well, but so specifically, <laughs> I mean, what you're talking about teaching your kids specifically that, um, or are you saying that this universe is a safe enough place that they can make those mistakes and, and things are going to be okay? And yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and that's, whoa, that, I mean, you just took it universal. This is, this is a big question. Or the, this I mean, I guess, I, I, guess <laughs> I, I guess no, I was I, answering for Mike because that's generally the place that I'm coming yeah, from is I, that this is that the, the universe to me is a place where I, sh where I should be able to, you know, that, that it, that it's a nice place where I can come and figure some stuff out. Now, I'm, totally. that doesn't mean that I'm not going to struggle or have pain, but that it's not set up to get me. Yeah. I, I, I just, sorry. Cause we're going to, we're going to, we're going to get back to you, Joe. Oh, you're good, <laughs> no, but I, I, I do believe that. Yeah. Um, the reason I do believe that is not only in my studies of God, um, as my father and my connection to him, what I've learned there about how he's taught me about free agency and, and, and the atonement of Jesus Christ. And I know that's something we'll probably talk about as we get further into this podcast, because that's something you've studied. Right. Um, but as I've seen it in my life, when I put bad energy out there, when I use my freedom, my free agency to choose to be selfish when I'm selfish, nothing comes my way to help me. It's amazing how that works. It puts me almost in like prison. Um, it literally has put me in prison. But that's because I did that to myself. I used that ability, that free agency, and that power of choice to do that to myself without even realizing it. And that's the scary thing about it, right? But as I've learned and as I've matured and I've, I've started to see what my decisions do, and, and my true decisions, not just a, a whatever, not looking through a, a glass, whatever. But as, I, as I've learned to put good energy out there, as I've learned to look at people with love, compassion, and grace, and I, I allow mercy, right? When people make mistakes, don't laugh at them and mock them and, and make them feel bad, but love them you know, and, and give them another chance and find the beauty within every single person that's on this earth, right? As I do that, as I try and serve more, I think service is a huge thing, right? As you get outside yourself, you have to learn to serve. Now, as I've learned to do that, it's amazing to me 
how there has been a complete 180 in my life multiple times of all of a sudden the world has so much more to offer me. People reach out to me. People um, engage with me more. And, and the experiences I have are so much more beautiful and I want more experiences, Do, right? You with mm-hmm, me? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think the answer to that to your question there is, yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. Well, from what I've experienced. Mm-hmm. So no, and that, that's great. I mean, just ending with that point, like that, what you're describing has been my experience. Yeah. Um, but this for me is where it goes back to, um, my introduction to this world sure. was the voice that I grew accustomed to in the womb for nine months Mm -hmm. after I came out of the womb, I kept hearing that voice and I was held by the person with that voice for the rest of my life. Yeah. But for some people in this world, five of my siblings, they don't, they, their introduction to this world, their introduction to this world was, Oh, this is different. I'm the only one who will always be here for me. Like that, that voice that I've been hearing and grown accustomed to, no longer here for me okay the first lesson they learn in this life is uh i'm the only one who will always this this is survival of the fittest it's a fight it's yeah a, and so it's it's this so they, they spend the rest of their lives oh, feeling like this man. is a scary universe and so it's it's I've never a position where that far see back. i i haven't either because my whole thing about you saying this concept of having the the two different outlooks like i'm thinking oh well my outlook is the right outlook because we should see this place as a good place but that's coming from a very natural privileged place, yeah. You know, and I'm not even realizing like oh, to you, well, that's it's because, natural because you've had that, right? Because I've had the love and yes. the care from and the from that same place that you did. The woman, really. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Wow. Yeah, and so even like even if if you believe in God, God sent my siblings into a world where yeah. the things that were going to happen to them have happened, happened to like them, that. and it's not safe. No. Um, well, yeah. So could could you speak to that a little bit more about that idea of where they came from and how that affected their mindset and what that means for them and can you speak yeah. for them like that or like do you I feel comfortable know. doing that? I, I think that that was just that was an impression I think that I had at a pretty young age and uh-huh. so I carried with me. Uh, so in, in the years since I mean I'm a teenager when when this is becoming clear yeah. to me and so I think what has come from that is just, again, I said this earlier on looking around and realizing, I don't know what messages these, this person I am looking at the stranger on the street. I don't know, uh, what experience there's, they have had that that has taught them about how this universe works. Um, and so, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I got a question for you then. If you go into today's world, mm-hmm. you, you're somebody who learned at an early age to really look at people empathetically, empathetically, mm-hmm. with empathy. Let's go with that. Um, <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> um, you, you learn to view people with empathy in the sense of mm-hmm. these people come from all different walks of life. And, and we're not talking like, oh, hey. This person was born in a wealthy white neighborhood. This person was born in a in a poor trailer park white neighborhood. This person was black and was born here. Like that's that's yeah, that may, that plays into it for sure. But we're talking back to like from the womb. Mm-hmm. 
the voice that's with these kids from day one and what they naturally want to cling to that's not there anymore for them. I mean, you're looking at, you're, you have a level of empathy that like I didn't understand one should have until now. So you look at the world today, Joe, is that, I mean, obviously you started school a while back, but is this, is this the reasoning why you decided you wanted to go into theology and, and what's the motivation for you as you study and as you grow as a person, what, what do you want to do with that? Like how, right. Is there something you want to do with that? Yeah. Um, just as, as far as how I ended up, um, studying where I am and what I am, um, stems back to those, those questions and those recognitions that this, this life is, is really diverse. Like there's my experience there. There are people, uh, who's, experience in this world is uh 12 years as a sex slave you know and 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 that's there in 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 my theology and the theology that i was growing up that i grew up learning um i lived with my heavenly father before this life i came here to have an experience that would prepare me to live with him afterwards and during this time there are things it's a test a test exactly this test idea and so we all have a clean slate coming into this test right yep and I get born into the family that I'm born into and other people are, and I get the, the, the message that this is a safe place and you are lovable. Like those are just downloaded into me that those are the first lessons I learn in life for other people. Those are not the first lessons that they learn in life, but we all have the same test. like that's the idea. And so I'm wanting to understand what, what, what is this test? Uh, what's it's, it's, so uh, so different for for so many people um and so yeah it took a while but i I, uh we we can uh liberation theology yeah let's let's talk about uh, liberation theology liberation theology uh no this this is something that 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 has brought me i have delighted in the study of uh of liberation theology and theology more generally, but, but liberation theology was something that, that really uh, spoke to me and, and helped me connect and felt like a, something I could follow that would help me answer some of the questions specifically. Um, what is this experience that my black siblings are having in this world? Not just they're, they're adopted. So they've got this like double thing. They, they, they have that first message uh, that I'm on my own. And now I'm on my own in a world and I'm where totally different. Yeah, I, I'm in the, my, the minority. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, God looks different than me. Yeah. Uh, most people look different from me, uh, and so they're navigating this mm. this this world from a different position. Yeah. And uh, don't need to evaluate necessarily, um, but to my, in my thinking, in, in a much from a much more difficult starting point than I had. For um, sure. So I really wanted to do as much as I could to understand their experience um and liberation theology uh, is just is a super cool uh thing liberation theology started it sounds cool joe sounds it's just cool. Cool. yeah <laughs> uh, no it started as a, a a movement simultaneously in south america there were some catholic priests who started saying you know this this gospel of jesus christ um supposedly is all about the poor mm-hmm. what is the church actually doing for the poor right and so in South America, these Catholic priests started started recognizing and thinking like, and what if what if we what if we uh, they they called it preferential option for the poor. What the, what they were thinking was, 
what if we started trying to look at this world and imagine this world basically walk in the shoes of the poor and see think how 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 they're experiencing the world the lessons that it has taught them so that's happening in south america simultaneously so this is like 1960s 1970s in the u.s mm -hmm. there's black liberation theology mm -hmm. is kind of growing up um since then it's it's proliferated there's uh, it, it's turned into basically what it's turned into which i think is really cool is this recognition that for most of the past 2000 years Theology has been done by white men who have enough to eat. Yeah. Um, and, and awesome. Like that, a lot of questions that are pertinent to me as a white man who has enough to eat have been explored for 2,000 years. Sure. Um, but questions for people who are not white, who are not men, who don't have enough to eat, they're just, they haven't been wrestling with God, haven't had time and, and place to be able to ask, what's going on for me? Right. And so liberation theology kind of gets at this. It's like, what about, hmm. what, what about the perspective of, of, a, of somebody who's not white, not black, or not male, and do, doesn't have enough to eat? Yeah. My favorite is this, uh, is, is, uh, it's called womanist theology, and that's where black women said, black liberation theology is black men. Feminist liberation theology is white, white women. women. What mm -hmm. about black women? Yeah. And so black... So womanist huh. theology is black women saying like, these are the We're questions about this universe that we have as black women. And huh. what I love That's in amazing. all of this is it's like, it's validating that you have a right to get answers to those questions. And they're questions that totally. white men who had enough to eat just never would have asked. Yeah. And like more power to right. them asking the questions that they were struggling with. Totally. Right? But they just didn't ask those questions. Yeah. And I think it's become really liberating to me as a <laughs> white be, man with enough to eat. Well, but but okay. as a Latter-day Saint, um, none of the leaders of the church have ever been 40 and single. I'll no. be 40 next month. Totally. Yeah. So so I've, I've imagined this. Uh, That's this interesting. Latter-day Saint, huh. uh, single Latter-day Saint liberation. Yes. Theology. Can we get our own liberation yeah, yeah. theology no, going? Like the idea <laughs> is that, that if, if we get down to it, like every single person needs to feel like. Yeah. I can get answers to the questions that yes. only I would ask. Nobody else is ever going to ask the exact questions that I'm going to ask. And yeah. so I, I, I am validated. I'm, I, I am able to work with God and figure out answers to my questions. Nobody, I don't Not have validating to take, for everybody yeah. else. That's 40 and that's single. And that even if they're LDS, like it's still different. Yeah. Well, I think right? so when you, th when I think through this, my initial thought is, well, can't we all just have this idea that everybody can get answers from God? Like there is no barrier to anyone getting an answer. Um, mm. And I, and I guess where I push back on that is what are your templates? Like what, what, what do we use as templates in, in our own faith journeys, right? Like for me, for instance, using someone like, God, I don't know, like our, our own leadership of the church or previous leaders of the church, or even back to biblical figures. Again, we're getting into a lot of men and, you know, very few women, uh, very few people of color, or if they were people of color, it wasn't that they were in the majority or the minority at that point or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I, and I think where some empathy can come into us, where, where we think about this liberation theology is that we all need our own templates to be able to figure out how to access God, how to have success in life. And those templates need to look like us. 
because mm. we, we need to be able to picture ourselves doing certain things, right? If we can mm. see someone that looks like me that's doing something, I can believe that I can get there. And, and without that, I, I guess the, the mental energy and the work that it takes to achieve something that you can't see, it takes so much more energy and faith and effort Mm-hmm. than otherwise it's it a would. good point yeah yeah no and i mean because because white men who had enough to eat have uh-huh. been doing theology for a long time and getting answers to their prayers like i as a white man who have enough to eat i'm pretty confident that I, i've got that template yeah you like know, we do we don't. have plenty uh and and not to denigrate at all like i'm grateful and Just but i still sure. have a ton of my own sure. questions like yeah sure. what about being 40 and single as a latter-day saint never yeah. having been married like how does this mm-hmm. universe really work like yeah. what what's going on for me, you know, and, and, and what, what am I doing wrong or what does God think of me? Like those are individual questions. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting how you go back to, and even in, even, um, growing up in in the church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints, and you you think about the questions that are kind of asked to you as a young kid. Um, who are you? Why are you here? And and where did you come from? Right. We all kind of hear those things growing up. We, we sing the same songs. That's awesome. But even thinking about those things, looking at your family, you're going to hear that a certain way. And your brothers are, and your sisters that are black are going to hear that completely different. And mm-hmm. maybe that's frustrating to them because mm-hmm. that maybe is more even confusing to them. And for, you know, for you and for not, for I, we listen to that. And we're like, oh, that's cool. Great. You know, sounds good. But I can't imagine being somebody that hears that some of those songs and some of those teachings and feeling like I don't, this is, this is super hard to, I don't get it. Like I, this, how does this make sense for me? How do I, I am not seeing myself in this placement. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Did you see that much with your brothers and sisters? Mm. I think it's been more in recent years. Okay. Um, I'm one of my younger brothers is living with me right now. And I've, I've talked to him a lot about this. He has, he's had some experience and experiences in his life. Um, it, it wasn't until later that you asked right at the beginning of this, what it was like, uh, being, uh, the white sibling of a black sibling in yeah. Utah, you yeah. know? And, um, and I, I, it's, it's hard for me to, to really describe that, but he my this one, my, one of my brothers, um, has in recent years, it, it's he, he started to recognize and, and feel a lot of the of the pressure of um, a lot of pressure o- around being being black in uh, in America today, and it's been something that's scary mm-hmm. to him. And a lot of people will will write that off, um, but and uh, this so something that that is a big part of my life right now is that. Um, the youngest of my youngest sibling, one of the adopted ones, Jeremy, um, was shot and killed last year, um, just a, just about a year, just over a year ago, um, not by the police. Um, he was Jeremy was in a fight um, uh, with a woman uh, who had been um, extorting him, threatening. Uh, threatening to call the police and tell them that he had mm-hmm. uh, assaulted her, and and so using using violence in that way to, to threaten him against and him. Yeah. Uh, in he a ended way up, that you can use against 
black Americans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, okay. we've we've seen that. Yeah. Um, it's it's yeah it's shown up mm-hmm. and uh, in in recent times in um, in sad ways. Um, yeah. But um, he he ended up uh, in a, in a fight with her trying to get his phone back from her and mm-hmm. um, somebody. Uh, walked up on them with a gun and ended up shooting my brother. Um, and so it was, I mean, it's, I mean, I'm still trying to make sense of all this and it's, it's, it it finally connected for me in recent weeks that, that the, the threat of violence, uh, was something that put him in a position where he, um, he, he, I just can't imagine being in the position that yeah. she was in. Um, sure. so my, the brother that lives with me, the, these two, um, Jeremy and Todd, um, are birth brothers. They're, yeah. they're the only Same one of mother. the, of the ado- of my adopted siblings who have. Can we pause for like yep. two seconds? Yep. I'm sorry, man. Yeah. Seriously. Thanks. Yeah, no, I'm pretty angry about it still. And, uh, deservedly so. Yeah. Um, but it's just like back to back to a point. Like this is a scary world. Like people die, and my brother Todd, who is still alive, uh, is all of his worst fears have been confirmed. You know, like uh, I'm still a black man in this world. My brother, my brother was, was killed. killed. I'm gonna have to raise kids yeah. in this world, um, and like it really, it's it's not something. It's not not a scary world. It's a scary world, and the bad these bad things happen. Uh, and what am I supposed to do? with with that you know yeah um yeah no thanks uh love you man this yeah i'm sorry about jeremy and i you know i know i know uh i know it hurts you i i've talked to you a couple times since it's happened and i can't imagine and i I look at i look your brother todd now and i just think oh that's that's automatically that creates fear Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it was probably there before but more as question marks thinking Mm -hmm. that you are different in society and all that stuff and he may you know he he said he's recently experienced some things but all of a sudden all those question marks are confirmed and so now he walks around with more fear than he's ever had and and yet we meaning most people in america the majority of americans are going well, racism's not really a thing. And and there's no such thing as white privilege. And we we have no ability. Maybe it's not. Ability's not the right word. We're not willing to empathize. We're not willing to stop and go, okay, hold on. Let's. There's people crying out here. I don't care why they're crying. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. crying. Yeah. And, and we, as so most of us believe, are God's children, need to stop and say, Hold on a second. Mm-hmm. Even if what we believe they're crying out for is not necessarily true, we need to have the conversation. We yeah. need to listen and we need to show that we're willing to stop and say, you know, for some reason, you guys feel this way. And you guys, meaning, you know, African Americans, you guys, the 99.9% of you feel this way about something. You can't all be wrong as a whole and as a group. That's yeah. That's not true. And so... Why? Why? Mm. Why? Why is that such a hard thing? Do you think? Um, 
Okay, so I don't have all the answers. <laughs> so let me. So I think <laughs> that was probably I, a bad been, question at the wrong I, time. No, so. I've been thinking a lot about this. I think I think a lot of it has to do with none of us want to hear that our own struggles and that our own pains are, and that our own efforts are any less than anybody else's, right? Yeah. So as a as a white person, I don't want to hear that I've worked hard but that other people have it harder than me and that my, and that, that could maybe in my mind discount my own. Effort, so, right? so if I'm, if I'm hearing you correctly, I don't want like, to hear that. Well, you've had, you've had to bust your butt to get passing grades in school. You've had to go yeah, to job like, interviews I just, to work, I work hard as, to get that, that is things. the thing that I continually hear right? from that argument and, is, and Hey, I've worked just as nothing's hard. Ever been handed to you. Right. And, and that's true. That can be true. But like you, but that doesn't mean that you can't still see someone else going through something hard. Like I, I don't understand. I guess what I don't understand is why that closes your mind off of seeing other people struggle. And like you, it, it, like there's still the ability to go and be there for someone, like and 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 have your own efforts and your own struggles be valid. Like it, it doesn't take away from you. Amen. And, and I transitioned. So go back to, have you, have you talked to Todd about this or any of your other siblings? What are their feelings on that? On what specifically? Yeah. Like specifically, like, have they seen, um, in the culture at all people that are just not necessarily jumping on this bandwagon or not bandwagon, but this idea, the reality that there is such a thing as privilege. And like, have they talked about that at all about how, is there frustration because of that? What, what's, yeah. Um, lots, yeah. uh, um, and I, I think again, okay. uh, just looking forward, um, just, just personal fear for them, you know, yeah. like mm-hmm. this, this isn't a world where the worst things aren't going to happen. Yeah. Uh, th- this is a, is a place where really, really difficult things happen. Uh, and, um, I think based on the experiences and lessons we learn in our lives, some of us are able to deal with that by saying, uh, there's a next life. Jeremy's in a good place and Mm -hmm. I'll see him again someday. Um, even then for me, um, it doesn't take away the, uh, the injustice of it. Um, and justice, justice can't be robbed, you yeah. know, and, and mm-hmm. justice is a really interesting, difficult thing to, to nail down. And, um, and, and so Todd back, back to this idea of liberation theology, Todd deserves to have all of his questions answered and his heart put at rest, just like For you sure. do, Dan, like sure. in, in describing how, or we're, we're doing that hypothetically, you know, <laughs> nothing's been handed to me. My life hasn't been easy. Yeah. And you deserve like you, you deserve answers. And I, I feel like because this has been my experience, the universe wants to take care of me. I feel like God wants to help you find yeah. the answers to your questions and, and will do everything that God can to help you find answers to your questions. Mm-hmm. And so you should pursue them, pursue them, demand justice for the fact that you had to work really hard to, to survive in this economy. Uh, yeah. And Todd should demand those answers from God and God loves him. Absolutely. And, so let's uh, all, let's all support each other in our, 
in our efforts to try and find those answers, right? Let's let's love each other. Let's support each other. Let's. Can I, Joe? I, this, I hope this is good timing for this. But when we talked beforehand, you mentioned that you also studied the atonement of Jesus Christ. Remind me the word for that. Soteriology. Soteriology. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's beyond my. Like, <laughs> I'm not capable of pronouncing that. So I'm just gonna yeah, leave yeah, that yeah. to you. Yeah. Okay. So the atonement of Jesus Christ. The Son of God, everyone's most people are familiar with John three sixteen, right? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Well, the reason He gave Him is is to provide the opportunity for us to overcome our failures, our mistakes, our sins, transgressions, all those things, and and He took all that all that upon Himself so that we could return home clean. Tell me, tell me how that's played into how you view the world right now today. Does that make sense? Yep. That's a loaded question, I know, but just... That's just a big question. Yeah. It's not, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's great to hear you describe what the atonement has done. Um, and, I mean, for 2,000 years, people have... Christians have been trying to figure out what, what the heck happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, God came to earth, and the Romans killed God... And somehow that saves us. There's something about that that makes a difference for us. And so for 2,000 years, uh, we've, we've been trying to figure out, uh, and, and before maybe people, people understood that, that somehow the Son of God would, would save them. But so, I mean, the question is just, yeah, what, what actu- what actu- how does this actually work? What actually happens? Um, um, for something as simple as what, what about somebody who that idea is never introduced to, sure. you know, and that, that, that's a question that has, has been around since, since the very beginning. But so kind of just like, uh, uh liberation theology, there are all of these branches to it. <laughs> I like it. Um, the atonement going back to, to kind of those early days after the crucifixion and, uh, people starting to say, okay, he, this, this was, this was the Messiah who came to save us. He just died on the cross. Um, what does that mean for us? Yeah, yeah. what did that do? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so in the 2,000 years leading up to now, there have been lots of different theories about how that worked, what happened. Um, some of the early ones uh, were, were like that, um, that the devil had power over us, and in dying... Christ won a victory over the devil, um, and that that by dying and doing what what he did, Christ Christ freed us from the grasp of the devil. But later on, uh, theologians started asking, "Well, does the devil really have that much power? I mean, that makes God seem kind of weak. God had to God had to to come down and die uh, to overpower the devil. Couldn't couldn't God just snap the devil out of existence? Like, is that really what happened?" Um, and so. So I think, well, okay, what are some other possibilities? And, and uh, the kind of shifted to this, this uh, idea of, of satisfaction, uh, that, that justice had to be satisfied, and God has this kingdom, and when laws in God's kingdom are broken, they have to be put right. Um, and the way that that happens is by Jesus coming and dying. But then uh, somebody else asked, well, I mean, how, how does that fix things to have... If, if all of these these horrible things have happened on the earth, God sends 
Jesus to earth to come and be killed. Like, how does that make things better? That's just one more, that's one more huge crime. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this, this guy, Abelard is his name, who's pointing that out, says, I think what, what's really happening is Jesus came to earth to be a positive moral influence. It didn't have much to do with uh, his death on the cross. Like he came to show us how to live. And as, as we live better, uh, that, that helps prepare us for heaven. Um, but then people push back on that and they're like, well, anybody could have done that. Like God could have just Mm -hmm. sent a prophet. Like why did Jesus have to die on the cross? Um, and then later, uh, the, the, the satisfaction idea kind of changed into something called penal substitution. And the idea is that Mm -hmm. Jesus took our place, suffered like a punishment that had to happen to us. And so it's just taken all of these different forms and, uh, over over thousands of years now and so your question was like how it's played in for me and just realizing that um and we we don't we don't we don't really have we don't really understand how it worked and a lot of times um i just i just remember hearing a lot in church people stand up and say so grateful for the atoma don't know how how it works mm-hmm. don't but think i know we it can does. Really understand, but i know it does yeah and awesome uh, that, that we have that feeling, but, but I really want to understand how it works, what's yeah. going on. Uh, and so um, a lot of, lot of beautiful things. Uh, so, some of the earliest ideas, I think, I think one of my favorite of, of the really early ideas um, about how the atonement works. Um, and let me just say really quickly, Latter-day Saints, uh, we, we haven't really come up with anything new yeah. uh, as far as how the atonement works. We have kind of this uh, bigger picture that we sure. see it in. And so it, it, it puts some nuance to it, which it, which is awesome and helpful. But as far as like how it actually works, we've, we've kind of, we haven't, we, we've, we're kind of thinking the same way that, that people always have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think everybody experiences it differently. I think sure. certainly for some people, it feels like I have been delivered from a from the grasp of the devil. So I think all of those different mm-hmm. ways in which the atonement seems to work are real, you yeah. know. But it feels like, man, there's what's 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 actually at work. Yeah, here. what connects it yeah. all? What's what's going on? Um, and so there there are a lot of uh, of different Latter Day Saint kind of theologians, people thinking about uh, how did this work? Um, but an early, a really early one. So this just came from Christian, Christian fathers was the idea that, um, basically just as simple as because of the fall, we were cut off from the presence of God and we're here having this experience. And so God came to do it with us. Like just, just as, as we're, we're fallen, we are out of God's presence. We're going forward, um, alone on our own, but it wasn't God didn't just let us go do it. He came and he came and suffered. Jesus Christ came and did this life with us. Yeah. Um, and so that's just been really, uh, significant to me. Um, in that my understanding, my, my, my belief, uh, is, is that, uh, that, that I lived before this, before this life Mm -hmm. with, with God. Um, and, God convinced me to come and take this test by saying, I will go with you. Uh, and, uh, 2000 years ago, he actually came, uh, and, and did what he said he was going to do. He came and did it with us. 
And it's not just something he did 2,000 years ago. It's something he's doing right now. Like he's here doing it with us. And it's something he's going to keep doing with us um, until the demands of justice are satisfied. Right. You know? So 10,000 years from now, we're going to be satisfying the demands of justice and yeah. he's going to be helping us do it. I'm yeah. going to be making up for things that I've done. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to bump into somebody 10,000 years from now who I wronged in this life and uh, the atonement has Figure happened, out how to, but I'm going to, I'm yeah. going to look them in the eyes and have the and, opportunity. And it could be that like, we just say, Oh, Jesus took care of that. It's like really like it's taken care of, but, but there's actually going to be the moment where we look in each other's eyes and it's like, are we cool? Like, are we, are we brothers? Are we brother and sister? Yes, Joe. You know? Yes, yeah, we are. Yeah, but yeah. that, that <laughs> reckoning on an individual level. Yeah. And, and if, if, if 10,000 years from now, mm-hmm. I'm still upset about something, Jesus is, I, I feel like Jesus is going to be yeah, there makes, saying like you have every yeah. right to be angry about that. And I'm going to be here until you're not angry about that. Yeah. Uh, and if I can't forgive you, like he's going to be there until, until, uh, until, until it finally clicks. My I questions are answered. Love yeah. it. And gosh, you've got a, you got a broad understanding of like historically the doctrine behind dip. Well, the th- theological perspectives of what the atonement is. Right. But Joe, with your studies, um, I want to know from you, I mean, you've got a different perspective and approach to life than I have. Um, you were born blessed with the opportunity to see life from different lenses, if you will, with your siblings, your black siblings, and, and also belonging to the religious culture that you belong to very different from the rest of the world, right? We're what 17 million members of the church in a world full of 7 billion people do the math. Whoa. Mm -hmm. But I want to know what your studies have taught you about like, like when, with all of, I'm going to get there with this question. I promise. Um, with all of your studying and the, and with the perspective that you've been able to gain because of your siblings, combine that what how what how do you feel like you are trying to act with that knowledge how what how are you trying to approach life in the sense if you will that it's gonna this can make it better for all of us or as a whole do you have that perspective Mm -hmm. do you see what i'm saying with that question yeah okay um take a stab at it good luck no 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 no. (laughs) i think i think that um in the, the the same way that um, God wants to answer all of our questions and uh, uh, for justice to be served um, and, and is willing to work with us, I think that I just I as I uh, get to know people uh, and and hear about the questions they have, I just uh, what I. Uh, I, I want people's questions to be answered. I want, and I want people to feel like um, your questions are valid and you deserve an answer. And if I can help in any way for you to find an answer, find peace, find justice, um, I, 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 want, I will try to. Uh, I, th- I think it's going to take tens of thousands of years to work out all of the craziness. Uh, but in the meantime, I'm going to do as much as I can to uh, help you first feel like 
your needs, your demands, your wants, your feelings are valid and real and uh, you deserve you deserve uh, them to be met. Um, first and foremost, uh, I may not be, a, there's probably little I can do to help with that, but don't ever question whether, whether your questions are, are valid or whether you deserve answers or in my experience that God, the universe wants to give you those answers. Uh, will will give you those answers. And again, it's, it's tough because my introduction to this world confirmed that for me. Sure. Uh, I, I got a different approach to that sure, question. Sure, sure, sure. Great answer. Um, I, I, I want, so social media, mm-hmm. you go to social media right now and there's like, there's like battles happening every day of, you know, friends, family members, this, that, and the other, someone's stating an opinion. And, and I'll tell you what, if you state a political opinion, good luck ever getting yeah. out of that. <laughs> but you, you see people crying out a little bit. Maybe they're taking one side here, one side there. They're crying out a little bit. When you see that stuff, do you engage or do you feel like, I mean, what, what, what's your approach? I feel like as a man who really thinks these things through, like how do you approach that? Yeah. Uh, no. So I think my, this is where my mind goes growing up. Uh, and with the, the blessings, the benefits I had of, of the perspective cuts both ways. Like totally, totally have developed a savior complex, you know, like Mm -hmm. I, like it is my responsibility. I, I, uh, sorry, this is going to be as long roundabout answer to you. That's okay. I know who you are and I know your heart and that's, I want to hear it from you because I know, I I know your approach in a lot of ways, but I just want to hear it from you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like I, I, I mentioned earlier, um, I think, uh, that struggling to figure out who is this God that I am relating to. Um, it's, 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 it's an ongoing thing that I'm trying to figure out, but what I feel like I really, really get who I feel like I really, really get is Jesus Christ, my older brother. Like I get what it feels like to be an older brother. So I feel like I get what Jesus Christ is doing. Um, but it cuts, and I appreciate that, but it cuts both ways that I feel like I, I've spent a lot of my life feeling like I need to protect people. Sure. Um, I need to be a peacemaker. And my, my, my approach has been to be a, be a, mm-hmm. a peacemaker, maybe more than a, a crusader. That, this is the blend of my mom and sure, dad. Right? Sure, sure. a peacemaker. But so to get to your question... Um, a lot of what I'm doing right now is, and have been for the past four or five years is, um, trying to actually, uh, believe what I believe that things are going to work out and I don't have to be the one to fix things and that, uh, that I can just play a little part. Um, so what that has led to as far as your question, social media and how I'm interacting with people. I tend um, to just wait for one-on-one conversations because also uh, just understanding that, man, I've, I've, before I can do anything, like I've really got to believe this person's stories, another sure. person's story. And so doing that on social media is just, it's not a pretty to the masses you know? when everyone's yeah. coming from different backgrounds. Yeah. Yeah. It's not going to be productive. Yep. But if I can sit down right. one-on-one and listen to somebody's story, believe them, then at that point, uh, I can, 
I, I don't I don't know that it'll go further than that. That that just if if and I think sometimes that's the best best gift we can give to to each other. Well, isn't to, that isn't that what Christ taught? Yeah, like I understand what one. you're going through. Yeah, Get that the and level of the yeah. I understand what you're going through. Yes. Like yes. you're not you're not alone. I get what you're going yeah. through. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, to be fair, like Christ didn't say, and I can fix it for you. Yeah, I can no, tell you how to escape yeah. it all. Like, just wait way, 10 years. I got this for you. And you're yeah, safe. Yeah. You're he's like, good. no, I, I get how hard it is. Like, yeah. I see you, what you're going through. I really see what you are going through. I wish I, so what I, I'm at the point where I'm like trying to feel like I don't have to do more. Sure. Than that, you know, otherwise sure. it will wear myself out. But yeah. if I can just, if, if somebody just feels like, oh, he actually believes me when I tell my story. It's like, man, I'm I'm speaking from somebody else's perspective. Like, I'm not alone. Like, they somebody, feel value, yeah, immediate yeah. value. We've talked a lot about that in recent podcasts yeah, too, go. where it's like, you fit when you get on that level, you show empathy, you show love. All of a sudden, that person feels value. Mm-hmm. Can change someone's life. It changes their view of the world when they feel value from someone. Alicia did that for me when I was mm-hmm. an alcoholic, or right? mm-hmm. I wanted to end my life. All of a sudden, here comes my future wife, and she hears me continues to be around me and allow me to be in her life. And, and when I was in my darkest moments, I felt value and it changed my perspective of a lot of things. And I think that that's beautiful. What you just said, just you try and get to someone on a one-on-one level. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. And it does, it does tons for me too. It's not like it's just doing something for them. Um, you grow. Yeah. And, and it, it, it seems to have had the effect, the effect of quieting my ego yeah. because my ego is this story I have about myself and how the world works. And as I listen to other people's stories and realize the world works totally different for them, there's a totally different story going on. I think it quiets the story that I have about myself and releases me from it a little bit so that I'm, I I realize, Oh, I, I could be approaching this really differently. Um, my way of thinking is not the only way of thinking. That's yes. a great. I can point. let go of my ego, of my story about myself, and be much more free to change what I'm doing. And so, listening to other people's stories and believing them, not feeling like I've got to prove that my yes. story is wrong, right, and theirs is wrong because their story threatens my story. Like, dude, I'll let go of my story. Well, uh, so I you see light that, bulbs in Dan's like, eyes. Like those. Like I, I think a lot about this. This idea of of ego yes ego and like i mean we just talked about it so okay so so with ego like we tell our we have our own stories of ourselves that we like and we like to hold on to them and they become our own hero stories and whatever and maybe the the idea of listening to other people's stories in this current climate is so hard for us white people because we've told this story about ourselves for so many years and we believe this story and listening to a a, a story from you know the the black lives matter movement maybe that doesn't so much affect me it affects my story and Mm -hmm. and what Mm -hmm. i have told myself Mm -hmm. and and i don't want to believe that i've been wrong I, i i don't you, you know, I'm, I'm trying to see it from that perspective of like, why are people having such a hard time allowing other people to say that they've struggled? Mm. And, and 
that's maybe what it is, is we have this reality that we've built up yeah. for, as white Americans. Like this is, this is reality. This is who we are. This is what we've done. This is what we've achieved. We're God's country. To hear, to, 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 add, to have some story add to that reality and, and, and change what that story is fundamentally, like that is a painful thing. It's like, threatening. I don't want to have to believe, like I, I have held, a, held on tight to a, a, a view, an idea of America that is based off of this document that was created, right? This beautiful document. Well, we have not lived up to that document and like we didn't from the get go. And I, I think the idea was, well, eventually we can. Let's make compromises until we are finally at a place in society. We're where paving we're, the way to get there. there. Right. Like yep. here's the stepping stone. Hopefully in future generations, they can figure but this until out. Then, well, we haven't figured it out. Yep. And, but we like to think that we have. Because it's the story that we've told ourselves about ourselves. And we're missing so much and, of the complete and that, story. And, and I think what's going like this, this reckoning that's happening right now is white people are finally having to open their eyes to what this story really is. And it hurts. Mm. And, and the, thing, the thing that sucks is it's hurt black people and people of color for years a and long years time. And, years. and all they want is us to recognize Stop. their pain. Mm. Because as we recognize pain, we're going to change things about ourselves, yeah. right? Because we don't want to hurt people. Yeah. I don't think so anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, not naturally. But but as if we can let go of that ego, of this story that we've told ourselves about who we are as Americans, who we are as Mormons or members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints or whatever. Like, like if we can let go of some of those things and have some of these outside stories become a part of that and kind of expand our our own reality like that will come with pain but it will bring like that to me is the thing is like the saving principle right like the mm. only way to get to a complete reality of what's going on is for us to band together and tell our stories together and hear everyone yeah like Listen. that's how we get there that's delightful thanks man no, for real I, I'm, I'm right with <laughs> I'm, you I, this is fun like I'm, I'm right this with you. This has been really good. Thanks, Joe. Yeah. Well, I, um, I think t real quick too on that, on that note, Dan, I, I think oh. that's why, that's why I wanted to have Joe come and, and talk to us. Yeah. Today. It's cause I knew Joe had a perspective, um, of life that is a lot bigger than mine and a lot bigger than yours, Dan, yeah. and a lot, you know, a lot bigger than a lot of people that live in Utah and not to take anything away from anybody else. Right. But what I'm saying but is to it's add a, to, yes. And it's a very big perspective for the way the world is working currently. Mm -hmm. And, and that's that the, your voice is important. And, um, I, I want to just, I'll, I'll kind of give my closing thoughts real quick and then we'll let Dan kind of wrap it up. But, but Joe, I want to, I just want to say, um, a couple of things real quick. Um, number, number one, I, going back to your brother, I'm sorry, man. Yeah. Like I can't, I can't so imagine. Hard. And I know your love for him. I mean, that's your brother and you know, and, and I can't imagine how that feels. And, and, and not only for your brother, Todd and your other siblings that are black, um, the fear they now have to, there's just forced in their lives more than there was before but for you as well because all of a sudden now you see this world with a little bit different view too and and you go 
wow, this is real. This mm-hmm. is not mm-hmm. okay. Um, and I, so anyway, I, I just want you to know I love you. And we just pass the message along to your siblings and your, mm. your crusader, crusader mom and, and your rock solid dad and just tell them I love them. And I know your family and I'll tell you what, I know they raised good kids no matter what. Um, the other thing is when you said you, you find you with all your theological studies and with your study of the atonement of Jesus Christ, the thing that stuck out to me about that in answer to my way roundabout question is you said, I try and find the person one-on-one. I try and get them. I, I, I wait until I have the opportunity to meet them one-on-one and you listen and you go to where they are. I, of all the people that I've talked to about delight and finding light in their lives and with where I was in the darkest place in my life, when anybody did that for me, and as I've heard stories of people that had the same thing happen to them, when anybody came and talked to them one-on-one, what happens? They fight for you. You, you can tell them anything. You can tell them the worst stuff in the world. And, and if you're crying out in a way where I just need someone to hear me, people automatically, like almost innately, f- are on your team and fight for you. And people want to do that. And a lot of times it's because they, they hope for the same things for themselves. But we truly love each other and we want to fight for each other. And when we meet somebody one-on-one, when we, when we go to where they are, and, and when we give them the chance to talk vulnerably, openly, without judgment, without any kind of, of feelings of shame from us, or, or, or again, judgment or guilt from us, it, it changes hearts. And it, makes, it automatically brings into that person's heart and mind value, and that they are loved that they are accepted and that they are cared for. And anybody who feels those feelings has a, a future of brightness in front of them because they see things a little bit different for a little bit longer. And I know you well enough to know that's the kind of guy you are. And, and I just thank you for, for getting with all your studies. I love that. Like that's something to me. Okay. So, so um, you ready for this one? He's going to lay it on your thick here, Joe. No, it's great. <laughs> So the question that we love to ask always at the end, and and you've been through some very difficult things within the last year for sure. Um, What, so if you were to describe to us a gift that, that these most difficult times that you've had to go through in your life, what uh, of a gift that maybe has been given to you or uh, some kind of insight that you've gained or maybe an increased uh, connection with certain people. What what would that gift be that you've received? Um, so, um, the morning that we found out that Jeremy had died, um, I was at my. I went down to my parents' house in Orm. They came up uh, to my house in Sandy and told Todd and I uh, that it had happened. And I went down to their house um, in in Orem. And while we were there that morning, a couple of guys showed up at their house, um, just kind of dressed in work clothes. And they introduced themselves as um, 
pastor of a church that Jeremy had uh, kind of befriended and he, he had uh, gotten to know people and had gone to their church. And, and then the other guy was a, a member of that congregation. Um, just, and just, they were asking, is this, I mean, we saw Jeremy Sorensen, but is, is it this Jeremy Sorensen? And we confirmed that and they were just, they were so sorry. Is there anything we can do? They spent probably about 10 minutes with my parents. And then, um, I followed, I followed them out because one of the, the guy who was the pastor of the church looked younger than me. And I, I'm working on the degree that pastors get. Yep. Master Divinity is the degree that pastors get. And so I'm just like, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm supposed to be able to do what a pastor does in situations like this. So I followed this guy out to his truck and waited for a few minutes. Um, he was on the phone with somebody. And afterwards, I just I kind of went up and I said, hey, can I ask you a question? And he said, of course. And I said, what do you what do you say or what do you do in a situation like this? And I kind of meant like you as a pastor, you've got a congregation who knew Jeremy and now this has happened. Um, and I just kind of asked him that question and he said a couple of things, but then this, the thing that, um, that he said that was, that was the gift to me, I had already, I was already at a place in my life where I felt like, um, it was okay to be angry. Mm -hmm. You know, I was past feeling like it's, it's wrong to be angry. Mm -hmm. Um, and not just that it's okay to be angry, but that it's okay to be angry at God and yeah. that ultimately God is the only one who it's worth being angry at yes. Yes. Uh, because directing it at people who have come, who are just trying to deal with the load that they've been given isn't going to get anywhere, but directing it at God as somebody who can take it, ha that had become real to me. And so That's I was, honesty. I was, I was That's amazing. fine. That's I was great. good in that place of, of feeling angry at God. But what this, what the pastor said to me that, that, was a gift, um, and that, that, that really shifted things for me and that I had not comprehended before. He said, um, it's okay to be angry. And I was kind of like, yeah. And he said, because God is angry too. Mm -hmm. And, and that was, that's different. Um, because for me, it was like, it's okay to be angry at God. He's perfect. He can handle my anger. He can actually help me do something about it. He's above all of that. But no, the, the idea that God is angry about, God is angry that Jeremy was killed, mm -hmm. that the world is such a place that, that Jeremy was, was killed. God's angry about that. God is experiencing that emotion with me um, and has dedicated God's work and God's glory is to figure all of this out, to deal with that anger healthily. Mm -hmm. and, and because God is experiencing it, um, not just to put us in a situation where we have to figure out, uh, figure out our anger. And so I've, I've really, for, for I, I study the old Testament a lot and there's this kind of this idea that the old Testament God is really angry and the new Testament God is Jesus and he's not angry. It's to two totally different gods. I've come to really, really appreciate, uh, an angry God. I was reading in the book of Mormon just this past week in, uh, in Alma and it's talking about the wrath of God a lot. And I've come to really cherish God's anger. Like, God is angry about the injustice and has Jesus Christ has committed his existence to uh, overcoming that, to mm -hmm. binding up the broken hearts, healing the wounds, uh, correcting the injustices, liberating the captives. They have invested everything in, in because they're angry about it, just like we are in, in, in fixing that it all. Was, oh, that, that was beautiful. beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you.
Thank you for listening to our podcast, Come Towards Delight, where we try to connect with people who have delight and an uplifting story to share. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and share our podcast and help us spread delight. One last thing, we would love to hear from you. So please leave us your feedback. Or if you know someone who has brought delight to you, please email us at come towards delight at gmail.com. See, See you, you next time. time.